Hey everyone, welcome once again to Podcast in Death, the weekly podcast where we discuss the in-depth series of books by J.D. Robb. I am AJ. This is Jen. I'm Tara. And this is episode number 46 of Podcast in Death. And in this episode, we're talking about seduction in death. Seduction in death. Yes. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so we should say ahead of time that Jen is uh, a little under the weather, to say the least. Yeah, um, to say the least. <laughs> so she may have to, you know, you know, <laughs> take some breaks. Take some breaks. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully Tara and I will pick up the slack. And hopefully she mutes. <laughs> yes, I will. I will try to mute. All right. Yeah. Seduction in death. There's a lot um, happening in this one. There's a lot happening in this book. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just the the murders, you know, but mm-hmm. because of the murders, a lot's happening with Eve. It's triggering a lot. It's very triggering. So yeah, there there's a lot going on with Eve because of this case. And when the book opens, Rourke is not there. Rourke is in Ireland uh, because they're burying Mick. Mick. Mm-hmm. So he left to go to Ireland and Eve's by herself and she tries to sleep in bed by herself. And of course, you know, she has nightmares. They're pretty horrific and graphic. Yeah. yeah. You know, she's seeing her father alive you know after she kills him he gets up and you know it's a rough one it's a rough one so yeah the, that starts off with literally Eve just not being in a great place yeah right and and then she gets this homicide that she later finds out has a very sexual component to it mm-hmm. right. so you know already not in a good place and then this happens and but it's par for the course for Eve yeah but also, you know, in this book, Peabody and McNabb are on the outs again. <laughs> oh, Peabody and McNabb. You know. Um, oh, Peabody and McNabb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There a lot of stuff happens in this one. So Peabody, McNabb, Charles and Louise happen. Mm-hmm. Eve. Which, yay. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> we're very happy. That's, that's one of the good things yay. about this particular book. Yeah. I love Charles and Louise. And Eve has a run-in with some dickhead. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So there's just a Like lot. always. <laughs> like always. You know, I do feel like. It's been happening a lot lately. I think she tones that down later on in the series. She doesn't run into as many dickhead cops. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they've started being used to her being high profile or something. Seems like a lot of these guys are just resentful. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe Nora got sick of writing dickhead cops. <laughs> so when she's having this nightmare at the beginning of the book, one of the things that she says in there was, uh, and she says it over and over again, that she, she was alive and he was not. Mm. And she says it over and over. It says, you know, she chanted it again and again, those words in her head. She was alive and he was not. And I feel like that's part of, you know, my theme for this book. You know, it's not just the seduction part, which has a lot to do with it, too, because, you know, 
she makes a lot of references to being alive. You know, there's a scene way later in the book where she comes across a street vendor who's selling like flowers and, yeah. and he says something to her to the effect of, you know, every day you're alive is a good one. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of a little mm-hmm. bit of the, the running theme here that, you know, mm-hmm. um, being alive, living, you know? So, yeah. So um, she gets, you know, she has this nightmare and right away she gets a call that there's a murder. And when she gets on the scene, she's told that there's a witness. And when she goes to question the witness, yeah. she realizes that it's uh, Louise D'Amato. Yay. 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 Um, we love Louise. We do. Uh, but apparently Louise lives in the same building as the woman who was murdered. The woman came out of, you know, dropped from her balcony in front of Louise. Which had that's been, nightmare inducing on its yeah, own. Yeah, that had been horrific. Could you imagine if that happened to anyone else? Louise is badass. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, she runs over there right away and tries to give medical aid. Favor. Right. You know? Oh, she's great. I love, I love Louise. So, and I also favorite. just love Louise in this, like, whole, be- you know, because you see that she's dating. And like we learned through this whole thing that she's just so overdating already. Yeah. Like she looks yeah. super hot and you like notices that she's all dressed up. He's just like, it was terrible. Days are stupid, whatever. And then this happened. <laughs> it's yeah. totally bad for Louise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She has had a bad night. Exactly. <laughs> um, but she yeah. looked good. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they do have a little discussion about how, you know, men are, you know, are or dating is horrible. And she's had, she had a lot, you know, Eve has a few discussions with people about cyber dating yeah. because they, they find that the, the first victim went out with a guy that she met online. Right. And Eve is kind of a little bit, they're poo-pooing that. Yeah, see, I, there were a few things throughout this book I thought I thought were kind of dated, because nowadays, I yeah, it's normal. It's the, it, that's what everybody does. Well, but and I don't even think that Eve, even Eve, would see it as normal because I mean it's normal now, and she hasn't even been born yet for crying. Well, out yeah, it is normal now, but people still kind of make judgment. Yeah, people, people really do. Um, they, Eve would probably that. be less judgmental than than she yeah. would be but when this like yeah written, like, they, like she said something to peabody about stooping the cyber world and right I'm just like eh, i don't think he would think it i don't think she would think of it that way no i mean but I again if if we're thinking of when this book was written okay right 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 no absolutely that's what i'm saying because there's another thing that which we'll get to later on that um a term that she uses for a medical disorder and i'm just like we don't use that word that term anymore but yeah and yeah in the future so, they're not going to be using it again so the yeah. thing about um when when we have like murders that are set up to look differently than they are like this one 
when we set up when there are crime scenes set up like this that are look different than what they are like in this case it looks like first glance that she jumped you know and then right. they're they're finding information that she her time of death doesn't match and all of that right like i love how different this story starts as far as the murders like how she seemingly brought louise into it how this girl was thrown from her other than rather than being found in her apartment later like i just found this to be way more original than i ever realized it was i guess is what i'm trying to say and nora does this a lot of the times and whenever she does it this way i'm always like that's really creative and it's not like it's unusual that she's creative, but this time it really struck me. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was bringing Louise into it or just what it was, but I, I don't know. For whatever reason, this introduction of a dead body was very fascinating to me. I'm right. a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you that it is kind of a creative way to do it because we get to see, yeah, like you said, the body right away. And yeah then you know it's right away they're thinking about how could this have happened they go right away into the apartment and that's when they see all of the um stuff in there that you know the the champagne and the glasses and the pink rose petals that are Mm -hmm. on the bed and you know it looks like this is a woman who had just had a date yeah well it sets it off into a different trajectory than if you know, if she had just been found in her apartment. Right. This makes everything immediate. I mean, and obviously this is the catalyst, honestly, for those two fuckheads. What are their names? Lucius and Kevin. Kevin and like their whole thing. This is the catalyst. Right. You know, the whole, the, this was not the plan. And right. This is never this has never been one of my favorite murder cases just because it is so disturbing but it's really creative and it's also eerily plausible yeah that's the thing that's that's what makes it so scary you know is that yeah it is plausible there's a lot of her like you know i i would say faithless even though yeah there's a lot of weird cults out there yeah, it's still it was still so nuts that it, you're kind of removed yeah. from it, you know, there. Um, yeah. but this was it's still nuts, but it's plausible, you know? Yeah. Um, I, how many times have I said to my daughter, like, if you're going to go out someplace, don't leave your drink somewhere. Watch it at all times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, just because of this kind of thing, you know, not yeah. not at this level, but, you know. No, but I mean, it's true. It's sad, but right. we as women have to instruct our daughters in that and that we have to, you know, right. Careful. You don't know. I mean, no. these, these guys literally are just viewing women as something to play with. Right. Because they feel entitled to that. Right. They're mm-hmm. Ponzi rich boys who never had to do anything difficult in their lives they're bored and they're going right this could be fun (laughs) and especially when an accident happened (laughs) right oh this could be fun too really come on i mean yeah and it sucks because they're actually smart you know 
Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the way the the uh, the murder's done, it like we said, makes everything kind of more immediate so that, you know, she can get to, for example, the um, the security tapes right away. Mm hmm. You know, a lot of times you get those. Well, she wants to view the security tapes and they've already been taped over. You know, I don't know, mm -hmm. even though right, we've we said before, for the story to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though we've said before that actually everything would be in the cloud. But um, yeah, she can get to these. <laughs> the cloud didn't exist in what was this, 1999 or something like what? Right. Yeah. You know, um, but she can get to the security feed quickly and she can see the guy and sees what happens, you know, um, obviously he's fled the scene right away. And so this is kind of all these things leads her to believe that it's a murder. So here's the thing. Morris uh, examines this woman and finds that she was given, we've already heard about wild rabbit in this series being a, a drug that, um, makes people horny essentially um that now we now we've added into this another uh drug that they're calling whore which is kind of almost the same thing but like a hundred times well it's a downer right okay what i understood of it with it is yeah the whore is the it's a downer it's an inhibition yeah. blocker but the wild rabbit is an upper so the combination is not good. <laughs> well, I'm glad we have somebody medical on the show that can explain these things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Don't Makes don't mix downers sense. and uppers, kids. Bad idea. <laughs> if you've read this book, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so essentially what Morris is telling her is that um it's the it was the combination of those two that killed her. Right. And then Kevin apparently panicked. Well, Kevin has Dante, quote unquote, because these guys are meeting women online right. and using uh, names of famous poets or something like that. Yeah. Kind of yep. something dumb like that. It's yeah. Dumb. So uh, this guy called himself Dante. And um, so that's what he gave her. And we also find out that this is the, that drug especially is very expensive, hard to get. Mm -hmm. So now that you're adding that component in this, they have, they have access to a drug that's hard to get and very expensive that goes into like who these people are, you know? Right. So after they see Morris, then they're going to go and talk to um, Louise again. And, you know, Louise's clinic is not in the best area. Right. So I always love these moments of, you know, Eve parking in an area yeah. that's not a great area. So good. And, yeah, you know, basically saying to people, you know, my bride better be exactly the way it is now when I come back. Right. And in this case, some guy yells out, bitch, cop, you know, <laughs> and um, she says, Officer Peabody, will you verify the asshole's opinion? And Peabody says, yes, sir, Lieutenant, the asshole is correct. You are the supreme bitch cop. <laughs> <laughs> so great. And she says, and what will happen if anyone lays hands on my vehicle? And basically, Peabody says, you'll make their life a living hell. And Eve says, yes, yes, I will. <laughs> and she, she turned away and walked to the door of the clinic. 
and you'll enjoy it. And Eve says, okay, Peabody, point made. <laughs> point made. <laughs> that's enough. You're a little bit, that's, you know, less is more. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, I feel like whenever they do, whenever they have these like little exchanges between the two of them, sometimes they're like right on. And sometimes it's very clear that the Peabody is finding her rhythm. <laughs> this is definitely yeah. one of them. You're like, okay, you're, you're getting there. You right. do yeah. yeah. You're getting there. Yeah, and it's so it's so typically Peabody to go overboard a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's typical yeah. oh, of yeah. Eve to not, you know. Eve right. knows how to hold back, you know. Eve knows less is more. So, but Peabody's like right. a little can I should I push a little bit more? And then she does that, and Eve's like, okay, that was too much. I mean, to be fair to Peabody, it's one of those things where, like, you're feeding off the moment, and you're like, "I'm feeling yeah. good about this." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's like, "But I got another, one. I got another zinger. Let's go." <laughs> you're like, "Peabody, you don't need that." Yeah. <laughs> That's such a relatable thing, though. Like, yeah, when you uh, when you feel like you know you just got something fucking great to say. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the best part, not the best part, but one of the great parts about this is they walk into the clinic and notice that all this stuff has been done. All this, you know, they've redone everything and everything looks great inside and this and that. And, and Eve is like, wow, they really did like my, what, half a million or whatever really went a long way, you know? Um, And uh, so they're asking uh, D'Amato about, you know, what she saw and everything. And they told her kind of what had gone on with this woman. And uh, Dr. D'Amato is, is confirming for them that, you know, this was a horrific death. These two things together would be fatal. And Eve says, just in passing, you did a nice job around here. And Louise says, we like to think so. Your three million went a long way. <laughs> He's like, like what? Yeah. Three million. <laughs> what? Yeah. She was like, I w- was ready to dive into the half million we agreed on. Didn't expect the bonus. And he was like, uh, when exactly did I give you the bonus? <laughs> yeah. I also really enjoy this like clear indication that Rourke and Louise have a friendship that is never displayed on page. We never talk about it. We don't think about it, but like, you know, Louise knew that Rourke was 10,000% behind this, that she knows that that Eve knows nothing about this. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, you're 3 million went a long way. Like, I think (laughs) think Louise is like, I'm just going to, put that in there i <laughs> i just yeah. i love that but i'm pretty certain that eve or that louise 100 percent knows that eve knew nothing about this and i love oh yeah 100 yeah um these are so fucking great <laughs> I love well her. yeah i mean rourke has that tendency to, to to gather people to him that are that are competent and mm-hmm. you know um, oh yeah so clearly he's Louise is just his type of person yeah. too. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. She's very strong and she's very like she's ambitious and she does her own thing. She doesn't do what her family wants her to do. And she also right. yeah. with with the exception, obviously, of this whole dating scene, 
she 10,000% knows who she is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like in the same way that Eve does, you know, like, and Vork is just very drawn to strong people who are, you know, who are definitely in tune with who they are. And he clicks well with those kind of people. So yeah, I think that like, I don't know. I would, I would like to see, I would like to see that friendship kind of explored, you know? Yeah. 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 I don't really know what they would, how they would, how that would be shown outside of their mutual love for Eve, but I don't know. It's just fun to think about the two of them being friends and understanding each other super well. Not just with, with um, Louise in this book, but later on in the book, he, he has got in one of his um, pharmaceutical businesses, a guy working there that he goes and questions about this, you know, experiment that was being done with this drug whore. And it's made mention that um, this guy is kind of a curmudgeon and, and um <laughs> And that kind of He's thing. Like, but I like he liked him. Yeah, but yeah, Rourke loves this guy because just because of that, you know. Yeah. Um, for some reason, he's just attracted to the curmudgeon-y people. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> curmudgeon-y people. Well, that's true, that right? guy also makes no excuses for who he is. He's like, right. I ain't got time for your shit. I ain't got time for you. I'm, I'm busy. Boy. And Rourke's right. like, I know, but I really respect you, <laughs> you know? And maybe, maybe that's what it is. I mean, people that, that treat him, that have no pretense that treat him that yeah. way. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because in, you know, I mean, he, he really hasn't been Rourke, the super rich guy for very long, you know, right. but um, I feel like probably prior to that, he was Patrick Rourke's son. And, and I, you know, it's possible that people, treated him with a little bit of disdain no 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 uh, no i well maybe but oh, you're going the other i'm way. going the other way just because he's okay. patrick rourke's son like and mm-hmm. patrick Rourke, the way he's portrayed in this series is he's kind of a legend he's kind of the, yeah. the big <laughs> big man on campus you know in well yeah uh, like what kind of is the kind of person that people are afraid to to feel comfortable around really just because of like what he represents and his status. And, you know, I mean, I think that that's kind of, I don't know if that's where you were going either, but that's kind of a thought process. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah, exactly. And, and so he's attracted to people who feel like they can be themselves around him, who aren't afraid Mm -hmm. to be curmudgeon-y and, and, you know, not care about what he wants or what he says or who he is, you know? Right. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. Just treating him like he's another person. He's just mm-hmm. someone else. Exactly. So Eve goes home later on. And as far as she knows, work is still gone. She comes in and I just, I don't know. I just really love her fights with Somerset. <laughs> uh, you know, I just really do. You know, yeah. she comes in and it's he a nice said, staple to the books. Yeah. He says, Lieutenant, you left the premises in the middle of the night and failed to inform me of your schedule or your expected return. And she says, gee, dad, am I grounded? (laughs) Which I just, you know. um, Love it. 
And it in you, just the way that Nora writes it, you know, it says she because the next thing she says is because it would irritate him and irritating Rourke's major doma was one of life's guaranteed pleasures. She stripped off the jacket and tossed it on the polished newel of the main staircase. And then it says, because it would irritate her and irritating Rourke's cop was one of Somerset's pleasures. <laughs> he lifted the scarred leather jacket with two fingers. Informing so me of your comings and goings is a basic courtesy, which naturally you're incapable of understanding. <laughs> oh, no, I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, we understand each other. You know, I was out partying all night, you know, while the cat's away. <laughs> but, you know, again, they, you know that they're not. This is just right. something they do. That's yeah, at fun this for point, both of yeah. Them. yeah. She goes upstairs and thinking of Rourke or whatever. She goes out to what a balcony or something. Yeah, the roof garden. Yeah, the roof garden where she's like, "What the heck?" <laughs> yeah, where the why the hell are you here? But yeah, he comes home and she sees him, and it's a very. I love this room. Yeah, the, that's a great moment. Yeah, because of the nightmare before, and then everything she dealt with with the murder today, and you get home and you're feeling shitty and you know, then all of a sudden works home and it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I just think it's just really nice to work back. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. I know I'm definitely a person that appreciates cases where work isn't always hovering around, but I also am like, but I do need him there. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I, yeah. I don't want him to not be there at all. Please bring him right <laughs> right yeah so yeah exactly. huge fan so um and you know i mean she's again you know she's when she's trying to like you don't want to do too much talking about herself you know she well, just want to do too much of that so she's asking him how he is is he okay which i thought was Mm-hmm. Good of her really too. Sweet. Yeah, because she yeah, knows that I he's that. been really bothered by that. And she even mentions it to Mira later that he had gone to see to bury Mick and it's been hard on him. And he says, whatever else, he was your friend. Rourke says, one who died, so I didn't. I've resolved that, or I thought I had. This wake Brian wanted the gathering of so many from my past and seeing where Mick had been put in the ground, it was difficult. It's just nice that she's comforting him even during even during this oh well, that's I mean, going on with her i mean absolutely she would anyway because it's rourke yeah but like there's so much to the idea it's it's not not that burying a friend or someone you love isn't devastating but it's not just that for rourke it's all of this history right it comes with that and just it's knowing and you know eve knowing even at this point since we don't know even half of the history, you know, just knowing how heavy that is and how not simple it is makes it even more just lovely that she's absolutely like, yeah, this is going on. Terrible murders, um, nightmares, all this stuff, but I need to do this for you. I just, right. it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but then later on, they do talk about the case and she's telling him all about, you know, seeing the guy on the, video and and just looking at the conversations that he was having online with uh what is her name Bryna 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 
Susan Erickson okay. Susan is always right. She, they're talking about it and uh, she's telling him like the disguise is part of the seduction, the expensive clothes, the hair and makeup. He wanted to look like, and then she stopped and said, oh shit, he wanted to look like you. <laughs> I love it because work's like, oh, I'm not sure to do right. this. <laughs> and he's like, excuse me. And she's like, not you, you. He went for really long curly hair and green eyes, but you as a type, the perfect fantasy. And he says, darling, you'll embarrass me. <laughs> I mean, and she's she says bat chance but yeah i mean that's exactly what the dude was trying to do and then while they're talking she's like so i swung by the clinic today hey. you know she's like why didn't you tell me you'd given the clinic three million dollars and obviously because she gets weird about stuff like that you know right. he's like do i really need to explain to you why right and then he <laughs> you know and then the Typical Rorke gets all sarcastic, like, would you like to be copied on the data in the future? She asks him why he didn't tell her about Dokus. And he said, no, I didn't tell you. I, I didn't know whether I intended to or not, because I couldn't be sure if it would please you or distress you. And she says, what distresses me, though, that's a wimpy word, is that you didn't tell me about something that you're doing that makes me really proud of you. I wouldn't have gone to one of those places either because he had me scared of them. So I wouldn't have gone, but others will. And then of course she's like, now look at you, Dublin's bad boy, pillar of the community, philanthropist, a leading social conscience to the city. <laughs> and then he's like, don't you start, <laughs> you know? Okay. And maybe that's part of the reason why he didn't tell her because he knew that she would be like, oh, tough guy with a big gooey heart. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I mean, that whole exchange, I still don't, I still don't know that I, I get it. You know, I still don't understand, you know, I mean, I know he's saying this, but it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, yes, that's what he would do because Nora wrote it that way. But, you know, it's like, I don't understand you, Rourke. Well, that's part of the series. I don't know that we're supposed to understand Rourke all the time. No. Yeah. And that's, that's true. The next thing we see here is that, um, there's a woman named Grace who is going out on a date. This time it is not Kevin. It is uh, Lucius. Lucius. Because they'd already had a discussion about, oh, wasn't it great when you killed her that way? I think Ugh. I want to do that too. They've He's got a game a going. Yeah. Well, they've got a game going, a little competition, and they both want to score points. And so this is the way Lucius, they're like, wait. This is what we could do. We could kill women this way. Isn't that wonderful? It's completely horrible. Yeah, it's pretty gross. It is really gross. So uh, the next morning, Eve's gotten sleep. Finally, Rourke is saying like, oh, you look rested. And she's like, she's ready to rock. And, um, you know, I mean, she knows Peabody's about to walk in at any moment. And he's like wanting to be affectionate and she's like uh you know peabody's gonna be in you know <laughs> down boy you know and of course peabody does walk in on them a lot of people do a lot of walking in on them on this book yeah so here's the thing like one you need to maybe get over peabody walking in on you guys if you're <laughs> gonna be like that in your office yeah like you told her to be there 
<laughs> well, you know, but it, it's it's Rourke, right? So maybe it's just that Rourke knows that Peabody's going to be there. Right. So, like, I think, you know, I think Rourke is like, now nah, we're doing it this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's he's in his office and he's like, okay, Peabody's supposed to be here at eight, so he's watching his his watch. Like, okay, now it is two <laughs> minutes to eight. Now it's time to go to Eve's office. <laughs> well, like, also Eve's just going to have to get over this. Like, she is she- going to have to get over it. It's it's her partner. Like what the hell? <laughs> but also, like the bitch works for you. Like you should be able to do whatever the hell you want in front of her, and her be like, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. I love you. <laughs> so, like because Eve is just so fucking badass, and she has these moments where she's like, mm, I'm embarrassed. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. Um. Later on, she goes to uh, Whitney's office, and she's going to give a report to him. This is, you know, I marked this because I just love this moment. You know, she's in Whitney's office and she fish. sees the fish. Yeah. yeah. And fish. Yeah. Whitney's like, my wife thinks it cheers up the office. It's supposed to relax me. What the hell am I supposed to do with a damn fish? <laughs> you know, and it says uh, for a moment, both of them studied the red streak that circled the bowl. (laughs) Knowing the commander's wife is keen on fashion and decor, Eve searched for a polite comment. It's fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And he says, crazy things spins around like that most of the day. I get tired just looking at it. And then she says, at that rate, it'll probably wear itself out and die within a couple of weeks. And he says, your mouth to God's ear. (laughs) So good. It's just a great exchange. Yeah. Uh, I I enjoy a lot of Eve's exchanges with the commander when it's clearly not super business, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of, you know, and maybe it's because of the fact that one of the themes of this book is seduction. You know, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of Eve and Rourke, like, Mm -hmm lovey-dovey moments in this one yeah Yeah. you know um a little later on in the book eve and rourke are in her office and she's given him some job to do and whatever and um she's she's you know being eve she's like pacing around her bowl (laughs) yeah she's circling her bowl and um she says to him do you have the data yet and he says patience lieutenant and then it says he he glanced up and then just looked at her in a way that made her skin tingle and her thigh muscles go loose what and he says you're such a study standing there all cop cool-eyed and grim with your weapon strapped on it makes my mouth water says with a half laugh he went back to work baffles me (laughs) yeah And I just think it's so funny. Like he's, he's still, he's also baffled yeah. by it. Right. Know? Still like, why, why is it this woman? And why is it this, not just this woman, but the fact that she's a cop, you know, like, yeah, it's all very, and maybe it's because it was, he didn't, he grew up where that was taboo, you know? Right. Yeah. Having cops around. Well, yeah, it's not a thing, right. you know. Well, yeah, it's not like he, you know, was a big fan of cops <laughs> ever. Yeah, no. So it's kind of a forbidden thing, maybe. That's part of the, the kink. <laughs> maybe. He's definitely got it. He's uh what what was that term? Badge bunny? Badge bunny, yeah. He's definitely a badge bunny. Oh yeah. Yeah. That person was definitely talking about Rourke. Oh yeah. 
in this situation, I don't think he's a badge bunny at all times, but <laughs> for Eve. For Eve, for, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and a mess with Peabody. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which, I, I mean, how much of it is him messing with Peabody and then how much of it is him messing with Eve? Both, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, like, He's like, he's like, this is ex- just extra fun for me. Right. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I think he genuinely, he, he does genuinely have affection for Peabody. So, oh, yeah, he does. And he's yeah. somebody that expresses that easily. Right. Absolutely. I totally, yeah. I, I also kind of feel like that's it for him that it, it messes with the two of them. Yes, exactly. This is, this is also kind of a low key normalization of non-romantic affection for other people yeah who are not your significant other right and like obviously the first half of the series when he's like that it's like a lot for peabody and she can't fucking get her hormones in check right but it's also (laughs) he can but he continues to do it and they continue to develop this type of relationship and i think that that i mean i don't know that Nora's trying to do this but it's a really really awesome thing to try to normalize in in literature since you know it's i like but like this kind of non-romantic affection for someone who is not your partner and when it's a person of the opposite sex in a heteronormative society like this is really actually a very big statement being made i love it yeah i do too and you know i'm a big sucker for actual platonic male female friendships because mm-hmm. they exist but you yes. never see it in fiction oh, right. it's always the will they won't say or you know the oh, you know this sort of thing but yeah so huge fan i just i love it and i wish it would be portrayed more the men and the women even if they're friends they don't have to fall in love with each other they can just exactly and even though you know yeah peabody's having a hard time at the beginning, keeping her hormones in check, you do get the feeling that she's still not, I mean, not that if he was attracted to her, she wouldn't be, you know, right. but I mean, she's attracted to McNabb. McNabb is the guy for her. Right. Yeah. Regardless yes, we of. She's attracted to McNabb. If Work had lost his mind and been like, oh, let's go for it, Peabody, she would have run screaming and she would have been yeah. like, fucking kidding me you're my lieutenant's husband and right yes yes you know they joke about this shit but it's not that's not who they really are they're not those kind of people right yeah he's not the one for her and it's it's clear and so she feels they both feel comfortable doing that because of even though she feels uncomfortable with it you know and on one level they're both comfortable with it because they know that Mm -hmm. you know it is just like you said a platonic affection yeah yeah and it gets to eve and (laughs) and yeah which is extra fun when eve is annoyed by it yes exactly so they somehow uh find out that these two dudes are using uh an account or an umbrella account that they called la belle dame yeah i think mcnab managed to dig that out right which is apparently a from a poet poem by keats Mm -hmm. and that's a rourke uh contribution yeah. and that's one of the things that work was looking at who are you plebeian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love that line it makes me laugh <laughs> um so they are looking for any any account activity under that name 
Um, that's one of the things that they're looking for. And they happen to get hit. Mm -hmm. And uh, so a user um, under that name is currently, there's activity at a location called Cyber Perks. And so they both rush out of the house to go to this place to see if they can catch this guy. And um, they just miss him. The guy was on the computer, but he noticed that he was being, what was it? Not watched, but monitored that, yeah, like that they had monitored him yeah the something yeah. told them that they had monitored him so he panicked and uploaded a virus into the system at this place and basically shut all the computers down and then walked away yeah it was a rough day for that place it was yeah. a really rough day for that place and it just so happens that Rourke owns it so well of course like everything else but yeah and i just love how how Rourke's like yeah it's just too bad these dudes are are horrible guys because they're geniuses, you know? Right. Which I think he, he says that about a lot of people that she goes after. He really does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of having those moments in this book, a lot of those moments, there's a moment between Peabody and McNabb where they're fighting outside of Eve's house because, you know, they're both going over there to have yeah. a meeting. Yes. That whole sequence is lovely. I really like that one. Yeah, I do too. Like even from the very beginning of that, before Peabody and McNabb run into each other, like how distracted Peabody is leading yeah. into that and just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And then of course the thing that is, clearly going on just like runs into her <laughs> right the thing that is clearly going on yeah <laughs> I mean, that's what it is sorry that's 100 fact yeah and yeah. then you know i mean and then they get they get to you know they get themselves all worked up and i just love somerset being like uh um, hello what a not but okay <laughs> yeah I, I can't open this gate because you're leaning on it yeah <laughs> Oh, and he's so like oh, amused by the rest of Eve's cops that Somerset is. Yeah. He's like he's he's really only the, the dick to Eve. And at this point, like we said, it's just Somerset Somerset also ships Peabody McNabb. He totally ships it. <laughs> he's like, this is great, but could we maybe not do this right here? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't, I, I, I'm rooting for you guys, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're all there and at Eve's uh, office, home office, and they're it's a fucking party. It's a fucking party, and then Louise walks in to give some information that she got about this, um, these chemicals that were used and then charles walks in uh to get and it some really data. is a fucking party yeah this really is a fucking party <laughs> and he, louise and charles look at each other and go oh hey wait oh will you be my boyfriend yeah right <laughs> you know like, i'm your girlfriend now <laughs> <laughs> and they're just not subtle about it at all not at all nope. you know? <laughs> no no it was very very in your face yeah yeah you know oh, you're cute. right and then like oh you're leaving oh so i'm i'm leaving also I'm leaving too. Let's, let's share a cab, share a cab. 
yeah yeah i love it so uh (laughs) but that's great you know i mean i i remember being so happy about that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i remember everybody being so weirded out by it and you know i i don't know that i was ever weirded out by it i i found it kind of weird that she so easily accepted it i mean there's definitely like a type of connection there and also, they both now we're not we haven't been talking about it with Charles because, you know, the last couple of books, he's had this thing with Peabody that right. to the rest of the world is not platonic to the two of them. Obviously, it is. But like he also was trying to enter the dating field, you know, like, no, no, right. Yeah, like I get that. I, no, I totally get that. I and think I that maybe they just connect. That. I don't know. I, I really love I like how they I was just up. always kind of surprised that she accepted his job so easily and seemed oh, like, yeah. Well, I, oh, I have no problem with I know and like she can separate the fact that he sleeps with other women for a living from their relationship. Always right. just kind of was like, how do you do that? Like <laughs> well, I mean it's not like I'm judging her for doing yeah. it. I'm just like no. how do you do it? Well, I think if we were looking at it from the standpoint that like, you know. A couple books ago, if we were thinking that Peabody and Charles would end up together, I think Peabody was also in the same boat. Is like there was right. never any, you know, like Eve is like, uh, he's a whore, Peabody, and he's like, right, get the fuck out of my love life, you know. Yeah. But if if it wasn't a thing that she wasn't comfortable with, she probably would be more vocal about it. And I think right. that that I think it's more normalizing the acceptance of this type of. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. I'm just saying, uh, yeah, yeah, I completely hundred yeah. percent agree with you on that. I'm I just saying, I, I, I totally think Louise would be, yeah, like totally cool with it. Yeah. I'm just saying for me, I, to be the I, most, yeah. Yeah. yeah you're more like, I mean, for Eve, she's like, nah, I mean, I'm that. like, how do you do that? How do I you, think how Louise is so chill. I think she's so much more chill than. Oh, honey, yeah, definitely. But it's just like, it's my, <laughs> But I love them together. They're my, they're one of my favorites. So is it any different? Um, it, it would it be any different if, if Charles was just somebody that like, I like open relationships, you know, like, yeah, it would. I just have, it's just like, that's not, yeah, that, maybe that's it. It's, that's not something that I'm okay with, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So, There's nothing wrong with that, obviously. I no. Just, yeah. So I think it's just hard for me to reconcile how quickly she accepts it and is like, okay, let's do this. Right. But you know, I think it would be harder for me. This is a good in the morning. He goes and bangs three other women during the day. Well, I mean, yeah, but I think it, I, again, I think it would be different for me, I guess. Um, if it was just like, Oh, we just decided to have an open relationship because in that case, then you're like, well, he's going out and finding women, other women he's attracted to. Right. I don't know that I'd be okay with that either. And, and this is more of a job like, okay, I'm, you know, not necessarily that he's not attracted to these women, but not in that way. Like he's not right. actively seeking to, you know, right. for his own right. pleasure. Right. It's more, you, it's you know what I'm saying? So it's, Especially it's with his, with his experience. Like, it's not like he's been a licensed companion for two years. He's right. been doing this for a while. Like, if you know if you're gonna date a licensed companion, I you probably want the one with experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's the he's established and he's got his you know client base and whatnot. And, and, and there's so. there's really no there's not so much of a 
of a danger of him getting emotionally involved with somebody in right. that situation. No, I, he knows yeah, how to keep I just, so maybe that's why she's cool with it. Like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it'd be different if he yeah. was getting emotionally involved with people right. um, and not, you know, being able to decide who he ultimately wants. This is just a job. Like, you know. Right. Right. No, I get it. I, I do. I get it intellectually. I, it's just, yeah. I don't know. I, I still have a hard time. And it's with it. perfectly like, fine. I mean, you know, yeah, I don't think I could do I, it either. I could do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And yeah. I'm, I'm with Eve there. I'm like, not, I mean, yeah. not as, not, not as far with Eve where she's like, Oh, he's a whore. What are you doing? But yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> like, Oh, it's a little, it's a little weird, but okay, cool. Whatever. If you're happy, I'm happy for you. But yeah. And I do like uh, Tara said, I do think it, it, it's good to have that in there because it is yeah, showing it that it's, it's an accepted it's okay. um, it's, it's profession normal. and normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's normalizing it. And, and mm-hmm. that's what I like yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, well, and, sure. and even Eve's attitude toward Charles um, has, has changed and mm-hmm. she likes Charles, you know? Yeah. So she, she liked him all along. I think that's a thing that is a, that's also another thing that helps kind of keep yeah. this normalized and not so yeah. so like readers are gonna read this and go, yeah, I'm kind of with Eve, like it wouldn't be my cup of tea, but good for you. Whereas yeah. if, if the other characters would be like, Yeah, Lisa's companions, ew, readers are gonna read this and be like, Yeah, why is this character even here? You know, so I think it's it's part of building the character and his acceptance and keeping him in the story the way that we do and you know, yeah. And I feel like even even Charles have always had a pretty solid relationship, too. She's always liked him. Yeah. Um, you know, the whole thing with Peabody was that was just her being overprotective of Peabody. It wasn't that she right. didn't like. Well, and Eve was very stressed because Eve, um, yeah. I don't know if we know this, but Eve tends to lash out when she's stressed. <laughs> yeah. And as much as she what? has her shit together, no. really? sometimes it just doesn't no. go the way that she would if she'd taken a minute to think about sometimes it. rarely sometimes, yeah that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's our eve um so then they're gonna have um mira come over and give her a profile of these two guys mm-hmm. and um so it, it this is i i thought this was interesting so um mira's gonna come over so it's Eve's going to set up for Mira's visit. And she's, and it says she set up in the library because it was quiet. And in another section of the house, mostly unless it related to a case, she'd like to remain as oblivious as possible to emotional vibrations. And it, it made me think like, you know, everybody's always talking about whether or not Eve's is sensitive. Mm. And I'm oh. wondering if that. Hmm. Yeah. I guess I never caught that. Yeah, I haven't really thought about that. But I mean, you know, I mean, that totally could be Nora's. I really don't think she's a sensitive. I do think that she's got I mean, I I think that we all have a sixth sense. And I think maybe hers is a little higher tuned than other people's. I don't necessarily think she. I I'm really bad at like the terminology for this, so I don't really know what it would be. But I think that Eve is in spite of being a not in spite of being a person that that does not often let themselves show too much emotion she's very aware of it she's Mm -hmm. you know like she's which is interesting because i also think that you know 
we generally think characters who are very aware of other people's emotions and feelings are also very emotional and, you know, open with their emotions. But in Eve's case, I think it's the same. She's just not a person who's open like that. Mm -hmm. I think she's very sensitive to everyone around her all the time. Is that some kind of sensitive? Is that some kind of empath? I don't know. But I think that's just, that's the thing that, yeah, I think you said it right, that a lot of people have just intuition, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Eve, Eve, while she's really great at being focused, does need that distraction right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. Especially the, the McNabb and Peabody distraction, yeah. because I'm sure they're both like, right putting off these vibes yeah. well and they were putting yeah. off the vibes before charles and louise came in right She's like the fuck do i do with this yeah exactly yeah because yeah. she's got peabody yeah. who's like you know you know angry at mcnab but also not but also angry at charles but like huh what did i just witness with charles and and louise and how yeah. do i feel about it you know right. yeah so and McNabb is not only yeah, pissed off McNabb at the situation. Thanks. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of emotional stuff happening in that room. I, I don't blame her for like, I'm taken off to the yeah. library. Let's go over here so, now. Bye. Yeah, <laughs> right. <over here. laughs> so um, at some point she goes back to Bryna's apartment and she's kind of looking through things, trying to get some more you know, clues as to why this guy, you know, tossed her off a balcony or how did he think of the balconies? But she's like, you know, um, she goes out on the balcony to kind of like look at things and she looks across the street and there is another like um, cyber coffee house, house. just like the other one that they almost caught him in. And she's like, well, (laughs) That's why this guy was probably there and, you know, watching her. I just like, it's a, you know, t- a typical Eve moment, you know, there's this place and <clears throat> there are droids manning the, the counter. And one of them is named Bitsy and one of them is named Tad. And Eve says like, <laughs> Jesus, who thought of this shit? Right. <laughs> Like, you know, come on. and you know, the poor, like he, these, uh, she's asking about Bryna Bankhead and saying, did she ever come in here? And the male droid says, no, ma'am. And, uh, she says, don't call me ma'am. And it's, and he says he blinked rapidly at that trying to process. I'm supposed to call female customers, ma'am. And she's like, I'm a cop, not a customer. And then she says, except she sniffed the air. Is that real coffee? And he says, oh, yes. Um, and then he kind of stops and she's like, Lieutenant. And he says, oh, yes, Lieutenant. We serve only genuine soy products. She's like, mm, no, nah, that's not what I want. Never, <laughs> Never mind. mind. No, thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So the second victim, she was looking for a similar place by her building thinking oh, this guy stalks these women by going to cyber joints by their building, but there wasn't any. 
It says she'd sent for Peabody and her aide walked in just as she was buying a candy bar. And Peabody says, that's a very childish lunch. <laughs> like she started, she sounded a little bit like Somerset at that moment. Right. Like you're being a little judgy. She's, I'm like, I'm like, Peabody. you're a little moody right now. What's the deal? Yeah, exactly. That's what's going on. She is, she is very moody. Right. <laughs> um. And she says, is that veggie hash fresh? And Eve says, what have you got for me? And she's like a big gaping pit where my stomach used to be. <laughs> You're like, man, Peabody. Um, and then she says, uh, I'm trying this new diet uh, where you eat only the white of a hard boiled egg for breakfast then. And then Eve says, Peabody, cruelly, <laughs> she unwrapped the candy, took a slow, deliberate bite. Have you somehow mistaken me for somebody who has an interest in dietary matters? <laughs> and Peabody's like, that's really mean. You've got a mean temperament because you're spending your caloric intake on processed sugar. And is that caramel? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, like this, this is a rough conversation. Like yeah. as a person who, who's always like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not a person that, that, thinks that it's ever fair to be like mm, i'm jealous of skinny people or whatever because they have their own you know whatever but that is a frustrating thing like please stop <laughs> yeah. like nice. i'm dieting enjoy that fucking candy bar <laughs> that's a very relatable thing she's like i am just not having a good day already and now you're eating caramel in front of me what the fuck yeah yeah and he doesn't care at all. No. Yeah. Like Eve is like, no, this is fun for me. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> Eve, and I feel like Eve's not doing it because she's like shamey or anything like that. I think Eve is no. very much like, why are you even bothered, bothered by that? Like, why are you well, that's worried the other about thing it? Is like Eve doesn't think that direction either. Like she's a, she's not a person that looks at someone and goes, they should lose weight and whatever, right. you know, like Eve's just like, this is fun for me. Like, I don't know. I think it's a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. But I, I'm like, yeah, I relate to that. Yeah. I'm not actually mad at you, but I'm very frustrated and I want that caramel. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, she gets it. She does. Anybody's like, yeah, I'll take the veggie hash and one of those candy bars. So. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's me. That's, that's what I would end up doing. Yeah. yeah. We're exercising. It's good. No shame. <laughs> right. You know, some shame. <laughs> so, Later, Peabody's giving her a report, you know, because they were working with Rourke on some of the um, tech stuff. And Peabody says, Rourke, well, I don't have to tell you, but he's one mag tech. So fast and smooth. And when he does manual searches, have you ever noticed his hands? And then she's like, yeah, I guess you have. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Rourke parts. We all oh, like, come on. We all know about the, all the parts. Parts, parts, the hands. Yeah, we want the roar parts. We all know about the roar parts. We do, and we admire <laughs> them in our heads. Yeah. So, um, it's she tells Eve that um, McNabb wants pizza. Wants to go out for pizza. You know, I love how that. I love how that is delivered because she's like, yeah. he wants to have pizza tonight, and she's like, Rourke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, we were just talking about Rourke. So, Rourke wants pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is the point where you can tell that Peabody really just doesn't know what she's doing with herself when she's like, 
happily talking about Rourke, but actually she's using Rourke as a pathway to talk about McNabb. Because right. she really needs to talk to somebody about McNabb and Eve is the one she wants to talk to. Right. Exactly. And Eve doesn't want to talk about it, but you know, nope. I mean, I do appreciate that Eve tries at least. She does. Yeah, she does. I mean, not very successfully, but <laughs> she she's tries, you know, she no, she's not good at it uh, at all. No, that is not um, useful. And, you know, she's telling people like cops are bad bets, even though like she's got Rourke. So, right. Um, I mean, she does make a good point. Like yeah. two cops, ugh, you know, yeah, two cops, it's yeah. going to be tough, but right. So um, as if we didn't have already a ton of stuff going on in this story. Now she comes across while they're having that discussion to like uh, drug dealers who are about to go at each other, you know, and she has right. to break it up and she gets injured in, in the process. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I mean, what, yeah. if, as if there weren't an, enough. Right. There's not enough problems in this book, right? Yeah. This too. Then the next thing is now we're seeing Rourke and McNabb. And uh, I, I really love the moments with Rourke and McNabb where Rourke's giving him advice. I mean, it's like bro TP, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny. And Brophini in there too. I like, I just, I yes. love that the three of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but apparently they're in this room and I guess I didn't notice this before. Is this a room that we have put into? No, our- but I want that room. Right. Even if it's supposed to be a man's room, I want it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it because be yeah, huh? doesn't have to be a man's room. It can be anywhere. Well, that's what well, it's described. I mean, it's a real man. Yeah, room. I don't care. There's yeah. uh, classy nudes. Okay, I guess long, streamlined female bodies. I mean, it doesn't say male, female. Maybe it just says or leave them. I'm fine with either. Yeah, like I, some of us can appreciate. I just, want to play, I just want to play pool. And- <laughs> it's just that, you know, that's more, I think that that's more hinting to a man cave, but yes, yeah, obviously it is, it is totally, yeah, sure. kind of, you know, anywho. So, yeah, I mean, it does say that this is, you know, there, it's a very much a man cave. There's a pool table, an old fashioned bar, view screens on opposing walls and deep leather sofas. And, uh, nudes on the very classy nudes on the uh, walls and it was McNabb thought a real guy room <laughs> you know which i think you'd like it, he's like rourke's a real guy you know yeah. i mean yeah. that's part of the attraction to rourke for McNabb. right he is a real right. guy yeah that can he could talk he can have a beer with and talk about guy things with you know right which yeah. is true. I mean, and I just love that he, McNabb is not. I mean, without this this whole dynamic happening, McNabb would not totally not be the person that Rourke would hang out with. No, no. But just because of everything, you know, he's part of Eve's crew. Right. Rourke's gotten to know him, and he kind of and he likes him. You know, yeah. likes spending time with him, and um, you know, Rourke likes giving advice. I think. You know, he does. Um, So Rourke tells McNabb that, you know, breaks it to him that he's in love. Well, McNabb's in love with Peabody, (laughs) you know, 
Which I love. <laughs> like, yeah. Wait, what? And my yeah. like, oh. Yeah. Oh. My yeah. Dad's like, I oh. am? Yeah. <laughs> like, I am? Oh, sorry. Damn. Yeah. Afraid so. Yeah. Like, everybody <laughs> knew McNair. Like, I don't, I, I've never, like, it's, it's so cute in these, in this book, book series and I, I love it, but I've also kind of been like, I just can't relate to that idea of not realizing that you're in love with someone. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a kind of a trope in fiction though. You see that a it's, lot. Well, yeah. It's such a weird trope though, but it's so it is yeah, a weird trope where like everybody knows reason. that they're in love with each other or one of them's in love with the other, but they don't realize it. Yeah. yeah. That is, that's a very romancy trope yeah well not even just romancy but just in fiction in general like tv yeah and it's sweet yeah right but it's definitely weird <laughs> so um the next thing we see is uh charles and louise out on the date yes and they both uh charles being all sexy well yeah i mean it's charles yeah. obviously i mean you know, yeah but they both had prior engagement that they both broke to go on a date with each other because they're so like into each other which is so great and then at a certain point she goes to the ladies room Mm -hmm. and she sees a woman there who's you know talking about this great date she's on and blah blah you know and it just happens that it's kevin again with his date that he's going to later you know attempt murder on right but the thing is um it didn't work this time right and the reason grew up and i feel her pain yeah jen really is feeling her right now but also like you know for the same reasons i'm not i haven't been taking drugs or drinking or anything so (laughs) It, it also just really goes to show how differently people react to this type of thing you know right. and also just that she was like oh, i'll probably feel better if i throw up that feeling you know right yeah see where i'm like i will avoid throwing up at all yep. costs same me too. i try to it hasn't worked yeah unfortunately for jen has not worked this evening but hey you know what you have been a trooper i'm trying through man. this whole episode I'm getting there. <laughs> so, um, so yes, Moniqua Klein did not die. Yeah. And the ding dong uh, at the end is telling her, say my name. And she said, Byron, because that's the name he gave her. And she, he's yeah. like, no, Kevin. I want to hear you say Kevin. Not, he's just kind well, of a bumbling idiot. Yeah. He's yeah. Smart. But he's kind of he's kind of an idiot. Yeah. Which is, you know, McNabb, but McNabb mm. is, is that way in a good way. But this guy in a good way, that yeah. way in a bad way. But yeah, I mean, smart, but a bumbling idiot. Right. So um, and easily manipulated by the other asshole. Right. right. McNabb does show up at Peabody's apartment with pizza. Yes, he does. And they have pizza. And they have pizza. The whole Quote unquote. <laughs> the whole pie. They have pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Because at a certain point, the next day, they're in a meeting and Eve saw something like between them. <laughs> I fucking love Eve. It'd be like, uh, I have any good pizza lately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's great. That, yeah. But it's great that Eve brought it up because Eve's usually like, I don't want to know about it. Yeah. Don't want, I, you know. Yeah. Um, and so she's like, OK, you know, but fine. But no more humming. And no more. <laughs> no no more joy sp- on the job. Yeah, exactly. No more sparkly eye crap. <laughs> I love Peabody's reaction like you yeah. whatever some good sex sparkly eye yeah, after exactly. that. Well, it's true. You know. I mean, yeah. Then uh Louise comes running in and saying that she realized that she saw this woman, you know, the night before. This is like rough for Louise. She's like, the first one is dead in my feet. This one mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything to help her. Like, I feel bad. Again, I feel so bad for Louise. Yeah, I mean, she takes that on and she really shouldn't. Like she was saying, like, I'm a doctor. I should have seen the signs, but you can't. I mean, but also we're not surprised she takes it on because we saw how she dealt with Eve's shit in her first appearance. True. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's it's just, you know, don't take that on. It's It wasn't yeah. your fault. You, there's nothing you could have done. Yeah. Right. You know, but she's a doctor and I'm sure that there's like, oh, yeah. So, yeah, they talked to Louise about having seen the murderer. And, you know, uh, then they go over to Charles's apartment and Charles was about to leave his apartment to go see them to tell them the same thing, blah, blah. And then it comes out that, oh, yeah, I was on a date with Louise, et cetera, et cetera. And so after they're done, he's like, hey, I need to talk to Peabody. And Eve's like, okay, I'll just go get our uh, elevator. (laughs) <laughs> and left them alone. And he said, you know, I mean, um, he's dating Louise and Peabody's like, don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, we're friends. Right. And she says, I like her. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, she didn't have she didn't know how to feel about it at first. But I think that she sees that they are just friends and he's mm-hmm. really attracted to Louise. And, you know, right. you have to be happy for him. Right. Well, and again, this is another, I think this is another um, example of this, like, platonic love for each other. Right, right. And also, like, is, you know, obviously, as much as this whole love triangle centralized over the last several books, Peabody and Charles' relationship really isn't anyone else's business. Especially she and McNabb, like, the whole thing is annoying and and I want to shake her, but also she's not wrong. Like she, she doesn't owe anyone anything about her relationship with Charles, you right. know? Yes. I, I believe that there's communication, um, but like I, and I think that this is kind of the scene where you're like, no, they don't, they don't really owe that to anyone. And like Charles hasn't even talked to Louise at all about it. Like, right. because they're, because he says to her later in the book, he's like, you know, we're friends. She's my best friend. And, yeah. you know, they have this this meal together and they literally met because of, you know, like not because of Peabody, but because of Eve and because there's a central person between all of them. Right. And it's not like Charles is being like, by the way, I kind of, but 
kind of dating her, but not really. We're not having like, you know, there's none of that explanation because it doesn't need to be there because it's not relevant. Right. You know, which is why Louise doesn't come in and go, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't say this stuff out loud in front of Peabody because it's not anything. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like, I think that, that there's a lot of there's a lot of expected communication outside from other people that are just like mm, Charles and, and Peabody should probably have told us what's going on and I'm like no no that's their relationship like that's their relationship maybe we maybe we could try a little harder and like ask questions and, and be communicative and all of that but that's their well, relationship I you know I do think though that she should have handled it better with McNabb oh she should have but he also asked her rather than being an ass. Oh, for sure. Which for is sure. what she but, says. What is it? Like, in visions, I think. She's like, maybe you could have just fucking asked me. You know? Yeah. But yeah. again, it's literally we have like a quarter of the plots in this series if people had good communication. The series would be way shorter. Right. And, and <laughs> you know, it's it that same thing happens later on in this same book where, you know, McNabb is going to like, oh, I'm going to go up and and comfort her because we all found out that Charles is dating Louise now and comfort her and tell her that she shouldn't feel bad about that. But Peabody's thinking he's talking about their having pizza. And (laughs) so, you know, that cross communication happens and then they have that hurts blow up because, you know, she's thinking he's talking about one thing and he's thinking he's talking about another and, you know right yeah that hurts and also though like that that's so that's the one i was talking about earlier Mm -hmm. yeah um is because like it goes south so quickly because of the things he says are clearly setting her off and he doesn't take a minute to go hold on (laughs) what's like maybe we're talking about different things and you're a fucking detective and you're smarter than that and he's a dude Right. But like, I feel so (laughs) bad for her because then it's like, he asked me to get pizza and then this happened and we're progressing in this direction. Right. And now like, I just, uh, this is rude. Like, I just, I feel really bad for her in that moment. And yes, it was obviously all a misunderstanding, but I'm like, read the room, McNabb. (laughs) (laughs) Like, she's like, do I seem upset? Yeah. (laughs) And then he doesn't stop and go, hmm, what's... Wait, what are you talking about? I'm talking about that. What are you talking about? Yeah, that that, that never happens. Yeah, there's none of that. Yeah, no. Nope. Um, So, yeah. So, uh, around the same time, they questioned the... uh, the waiter that waited on this couple you know um and the waiter tells him that the guy has a very distinctive ring that he was in before with another dude they um both had this ring on so there's another line that eve can tug you know to try to find this ring who sells it or who made it and who they sell it to um they also find that one of them, Kevin, I believe, right? Kevin, Kevin. has been um, communicating with a woman named Stephanie Finch. So Eve's idea is to find Stephanie Finch and to tell her that she's being targeted. And um, she finally does that, but... Uh, 
the woman's not very receptive to that. No. Um, so, but yeah, uh, let's see. So they, they, yeah. So what she does is she asks, asks Rourke to block any communication coming in or out of that particular email account until she can, cause the woman was, she's a, a pilot and she's a flying a private plane to Europe and back. So until then she says, let's block the account and, you know, hopefully communication. interpretation does not go that way, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he blocked I reroutes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, he's telling her like, you want me to block all our transmissions and cyber activities? And he's like, that's the ticket. I don't want anything she sends getting through until I'm sure of her cooperation. And I have a warrant to put a filter on her transmissions. The warrant's not going to cover us until she gets back in New York. And he says, you know how it's, how it excites me whenever you ask me to slip through one of the loops in the law. And she says, remind me later why I married a pervert. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she needs to be reminded of that. I mean, personally. (laughs) So, but also during that time, um, this, this uh, last woman has woken up and is, and it has told Eve that um, the guy wanted her to call him Kevin. So the thing is, um, so somebody on, on Instagram, I think it was Kat, <laughs> Kat Dorman, because she made a good point and I want to, I want to uh, quote it here. So what she says was, I always love the moments where Eve connects with female victims and gives them her own brand of encouragement, tells them what they need in order to start the journey of healing. It's hard to know the pain Eve goes through when she has these cases, but damn, does she do a good job? Yeah. hundred percent agreed. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. I mean, cause she goes to um, question Moniqua when she realizes true heart had, had been watching the room and true heart told her that the girl's awake. So he went down there and the doctor was like, no, I'm not having you question this woman, you know, but it's what she needs. She, she needs to find Eve needs to find out what happened, but this woman needs to know like what happened to her and that some, somebody's fighting for her. And especially since the woman was, you know, this is one of the things I think that's disturbing about this particular case is that uh, because of the drugs that they use, this woman is saying like, but I, I wanted it. I wanted to do those things. And yeah, Eve was there telling her like, no, no, it wasn't, it was not you. You did not, your will was taken away. So anything that you think you wanted at that time was not you. It's important that they're told that, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in this situation. Right. Yeah. Where it could seem like, yeah, well, the woman wanted it. So, you know, no. So, but then, you know, and, and at the end, the doctor told her, like, she did handle it correctly. And he was glad that she talked to her. Right. That, and that's, like I said, one of the reasons why this whole thing is so, like, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. that, think that it's scary, but just disturbing. Yeah. Especially if you're a woman. Mm-hmm. But for anyone, but especially if you're a woman, you know. Right. 
knowing that could happen, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and that you would be like, well, you obviously wanted I was it. I say, and that men get away with it. That's exactly. Unfortunately, yeah. the reality still. So anyway, um, Monique gave them the name of Kevin. And then here's what I didn't understand. So there, so she has Rourke looking for um, people that are involved in the, the um, creation of this drug in the first place. Mm-hmm. We find out that one of these guys, grandfather was one of the ones that was involved in that. Mm-hmm. And um, so, but they're looking through like trying to find people involved in that. And not once does she say to Rourke, look for anybody named Kevin. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, only after he finds somebody too. named Kevin, yeah. she's like, Kevin. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the guy. Yeah. What the hell? But she doesn't say like, yeah, look for anybody who's involved who's named Kevin. That could yeah. have, you know, I mean, I understand for plot reasons, right? <laughs> you, gotta, you can't just like, it can't be that easy, you know? Right. Well, yeah. but I mean, like, you, like because of McNamara, she's led to Lucius pretty quickly right so maybe it's just like mm, we don't want to go we want to make it too obvious right away like just, well I, yeah i have no idea obviously right it just still seemed weird that she yeah. wouldn't have told him like look for a dude named kevin yeah i think that's a little weird so but yeah and they had gone to see mcnamara and they questioned him and it, it the way that she describes this guy uh, just a great Peabody line of golly, it's the great and powerful Oz. Right. <laughs> that was so great. He's such uh, a, yeah. he's also a piece of shit, let's be honest. <laughs> oh God, yes. yeah. Yes. But at least he was trying to do the right thing by going to his grandson and saying, like, I'm not gonna let you get away with this shit. Like, you can't right. do this. But then he got himself killed. People need that. to learn to not do that. To not do the yeah, I'm not gonna let you get away with this shit. <laughs> just go right to right. the police. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just go because right to the police. His plan, his plan when he's still to like go to the police, like yes. But you know, it's, people do this shit. Just go to the police. Don't go to him. Yes, exactly. I mean, later you can have it out with him and tell him how disappointed you are in him. But right, right. Don't go to him and say I'm going to the police. Yeah, that's dumb. tell him you killed people, like somebody Hello. that kills people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't want to shame this guy, but really. <laughs> yeah. So, and so then, you know, I mean, also they beat this guy and he doesn't die, but then Kevin's like, well, I want to, I, I want a chance to beat him also. Like they're <laughs> both like horrible <laughs> people. Like they're awful. It's so unfair that you get to do all the fun things. Yeah, exactly. You know, thank goodness uh, Lucius's next date is kind of a, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it, not necessarily a mess, but kind of a, uh, she's kind of uh, described, not necessarily how Nora describes her as kind of a, a little bit of a dingbat maybe, or um, yeah, kind of a accident prone. And I don't know why this girl's going on this date and her friend's like, I don't know that that's a good idea because, you know, they are saying that a lot of these, that these women are being killed because they've, you know, they met guys on the internet and maybe you shouldn't do that. And she's like, oh, it'll be fine. No, it's not this one. <laughs> this one is fine. This and the fine. crazy thing, though, is that she never finds out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Eve doesn't know about her because she never yeah. goes to the date because she's so accident prone that she like she's so she's such a dingbat that her purse gets snatched and she breaks her arm and thank goodness for uh what's his name bruno yeah i think that's his name <laughs> bruno biggs who was looking out for her because she's clearly kind of a, a dingbat he's like ah oh, shit there's another one <laughs> yeah i better follow this one and make sure that you know uh so then they go to talk to to stephanie finch, stephanie finch. and um tell her that she narrowly missed also being a victim and that's when Eve has the idea that, hey, wait a minute, I can pose as her. I could go her. on a date. There's there are tons of other cops who I could maybe ask to do this. I have to do it. No, she <laughs> has to do it. Just her do it. op. Um, McNabb gets angry uh, at on Peabody's behalf and decides to go over to. Oh, that's right. That part. Uh, decides to go over to, yeah. Uh, and he decides to have it out with Charles. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Charles is like, um, do we believe in communication around here? No. Okay. (laughs) No, nobody believes in communication. I, I also just really appreciate Louise for the whole thing. She's like, right. I just think that, you know, he, it's so funny that he, like, um, McNabb got all drunk. <laughs> yeah. You know, heads over to Charles's house. They start fighting. Louise is like, Detective McNabb, you're obviously upset. Maybe you should sit down. She's the best. Yeah. And he didn't even see her there, you know. And she says, Charles, why don't you make some coffee? Ian, it's Ian, isn't it? Let's sit down. And he's like, I don't want any goddamn coffee. They don't want to sit down. And he's like, you know, you're a nice lady and everything, but I've got business with this son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, like, oh, McNabb. <laughs> Charles was going to go ahead and tell him like that nothing was going on between them. But, right. you know, Louise has the the forethought to kind of like, um, yeah, yeah, don't, you know. We're not fucking doing this right now. She's well, really... you know, don't tell him that there was nothing. Right. She's like, know. this is not not your thing to tell him right now. Right. You know, so he's she like jumps in and says, like, it just happened. It wasn't planned. I'm sorry if I'm responsible for this so that she takes the heat off of Charles a little bit. She's the greatest. Yeah, she just she just wins this whole fucking book exactly yeah she definitely (laughs) McNabb basically tells him you know you better make it up to her and he because you know the weaves dumped water on both of them so he he strides out and his air boots are squeaking which I think is hilarious and uh Charles says well that was entertaining yeah so then McNabb shows up at Peabody's house and he's still kind of a little drunk and he's still wet. And (laughs) she's like, why are you all wet? Yeah. Why are you all wet? And obviously he beaten up on Charles and which is stupid, but she thinks it's kind of sweet. It really is stupid though. 
it is stupid. I don't know why, you know, but uh, so here's the other thing they want to, she's, you know, Eve's decided that she is going to put together this op where she impersonates this woman and on the next date at a park and catches, you know, Kevin. And uh, mm-hmm. so she calls the commander. Right. And um, commander's wife, Whitney's wife answers and says, it's after 11 o'clock, Lieutenant. Can't this wait until morning? And you're like, dude, you do you not you're realize you're married to a cop? You're, a, you're married to a commander. You know that there's been these high profile serial killings happening that Eve yeah. is in charge of this investigation. She calls the house clearly needs to talk to her. It's not like she calls him all the time and like, I, yeah, I just want right. to shoot the shit, you know? Right. So, you know, always it's important. He's like mad at her for calling. Right. Like, it's yeah. always important. Job, Lieutenant. I don't understand why she's all like, can't this wait? Like, <laughs> no, can't. Yeah, I have no idea. If Eve is calling him, it can't at home. It can't wait. No, I don't understand it. Anyway, so she's calling. So Eve calls Mavis, because Mavis and Trina are going to help her get ready for this op. And again, you know, she's at home and Rourke is feeling Randy, you know, (laughs) and uh, they get caught this time by Mavis, who has a completely different reaction than Peabody. Oh, yeah. You know, Mavis is all like, wow, they always look so hot. (laughs) And he's like, uh you know he's like oh come on (laughs) (laughs) and eve's like grabbing rourke's arm and saying whatever you do don't leave me you know (laughs) and rourke's like be strong (laughs) you know so um and of course trina's giving her shit but um because that's what trina does that's what trina does Mm -hmm. um and uh, they were just about to start, you know, getting Eve ready. They were going to do a trial run um, when Eve finds out about McNamara. So um, Eve has to leave. And then we get asshole cop. And then we get asshole cop. <laughs> That's right. And uh, this is when McNabb goes over to. Peabody's apartment and tells her that he, you know, went after Charles and he tells her, I didn't like the way he tossed you over. And she's like, uh, toss me over. Like she's dumbfounded. Like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you break up with somebody, you do it square. He's going to apologize. She's like, he's going to apologize. You all just jumping in and going for things. And, right what the fuck are you talking about exactly you know and at a certain point she's like oh i get it you know so they were about to do it Mm -hmm. have pizza i guess when peabody sees the news report about uh mcnamara and calls eve and uh, they go down to the scene and they encounter the asshole cop um ren and he's trying to tell him like hey this is clearly this is clearly part of my case as well and ren super pissed off about her because um 
you know, she, he says she asks him for some courtesy and cooperation. And he's like, courtesy and cooperation. Fuck that. How much courtesy and cooperation did you show when you tore into the 128 a couple months ago? I don't reach out to cops who turn on cops. Um, right. Yeah, and you're dick. like, mm-hmm. way to do your research and try to understand why <laughs> the fuck all that happened. Yeah. Not interested in learning how dirty cops work. Okay. You're a piece of shit. Yeah. Maybe you're dirty. So there. But he was like, you know, fuck him. I'm just going to ask other people on the scene. Which is what he does. Yeah. Screw him. But then later he files a complaint. He's a piece of shit. Because he's a piece of shit. But more of like, is they, wasn't there enough? Wasn't there enough? Like, we had to throw in this asshole now? She has to do right. that. There's, there's a lot happening. There's, there's a lot happening. So much happening. Like, why? Why are you throwing all this stuff at her? I don't understand. So anyway, yeah. So she she questions some of the people that work under Renfrew and gets a general idea of what's going on. And um, then tells Peabody, well, hey, you know, I mean, obviously Renfrew is going to do the, the um, notification of McNamara's wife, but he's probably not going to go and talk to his grandson. So why don't we go over there and, you know, question the grandson? Because, you know, that seems like a normal thing that cops would do. Then we can kind of, you know. Yeah. So um, so they question him. And he, uh, when they when they leave, Peabody says something about, well, we well, we didn't get much. And um, Eve says, didn't we? I never said his grandfather's name and he never asked. He has the requisite too, both New York City residents, but he never asked which one was dead. Didn't have to ask. And that bit about being stripped of his dignity at the end of his life. That's just what he'd done, what he'd intended to do. And he outthought himself by not just saying his pal and housemate Kevin was with him part of the evening. He didn't want to share the spotlight. And Peabody says, I guess we got more out of him than I thought. So they finally go back to uh, Eve's house and um, Eve's like, okay, well, you know, um, you and McNabb crash here, but in separate rooms. (laughs) You're like, come on. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, you know, Rourke's like, yeah, that ain't happening. They're getting (laughs) Works like we're adults now, Eve. Like, <laughs> but I also, know that the children can be ridiculous, but they are adults. Exactly. But also, he's kind of trying to make matchmaker, being matchmaker. Because, I mean, matchmaker work is a thing. <laughs> yeah. No, they're going to share the same room because that's also a romance trope. There's only one bed. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> So Rourke is kind of like manufacturing only one bed trope. (laughs) And I just think it's so funny because Eve's like, you know, I'm so sorry that I left you here with Mavis because (laughs) Eve kind of knows what's been going on, even without knowing what's been going on. She's like, yeah, sorry about all of that, even though I don't know what's happened, but sorry about it. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I know, don't worry about it. He basically lets them just go. Let He leaves them to their own devices usually when all of, you know, Mavis and Trina and Leonardo, they all show up and Rourke's just like, okay, well, they're just going to have at it. I'm just going to go up to my office. <laughs> so many, like so many parties happening at Eve's house in this book. Right? Yeah. Like, it's what it feels like. Lots of parties. 
Yeah. And I just love the, you know, when Eve asks about Mavis and Trina and he says in the pool, along with Leonardo, who arrived about two hours ago, I bowed out when they decided it was time for nude relay races. And then McNabb's like, they're naked, (laughs) (laughs) wet and naked, you know, just a quick swim would be good. You know, McNabb. So, yeah. But um, yeah, so Rourke leads them to their only one bedroom. Then he uh, comes back to Eve and she's obviously exhausted, but she's telling him like, yeah, I can't sleep because I'll see this asshole's face in my in my head if I sleep. And that's just not okay. So I just like that. He like, okay, fine. We'll we'll watch a movie together. And, you know, she slept anyway, because she slept through the movie. That was about time she slept. So, well, and, yeah. you know, I mean, that was pretty smart. He's like, oh, OK, well, we'll watch a movie. Honestly, though, like nothing makes me fall asleep faster. Right. <laughs> and what the hell? Uh, somebody just had a pizza delivered for themselves. <laughs> Fuck. I have a ring doorbell. You don't think I'm getting these notifications that somebody's at the door with a pizza? I saw you go out on the porch and get... I saw you go out on the porch and get that pizza. (laughs) Oh, man. How dare she? Thanks, Caitlin. <laughs> I have pizza now. That's awesome. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? And it's it's not a metaphor for anything. It's an actual pizza. <laughs> so, <laughs> ooh, it's stuffed crust too. Sorry, ooh. Jen. Oh, it's okay. Okay. Um. All right, so we got to wrap this up because I I have pizza. Yeah, um, you pizza. So, um, yeah, she so they they fall asleep the next morning. She wakes up and she's sick. And she never gets sick. And, and Rourke gets mad at her for getting sick. Well, he gets mad at her, but he's mad because he's like panicked because she never yeah. gets sick. Panicked and frustrated. Yeah, it's, very, it's right. a very frustrating scene which makes sense because he's right you know she like runs herself ragged and you know never sleeps and this is what happens and then she eats nothing but candy bars like this is what happens yeah right you know yeah we're all frustrated with e4 (laughs) (laughs) so you know so he calls somerset in and she's like panicking because somerset's coming in and one of my favorite lines in the entire series, Somerset asks her, do you have any pain? And she's like, yeah, in my ass. I call it Somerset. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite lines is good one. of the whole series. Yeah. That's like, yeah, one of the best lines ever, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're both like forcing her to take medication and she's like fighting them and which Eve <laughs> stop. 
And uh, she's just, and then at a certain point, she just curls up on the couch and starts crying, which, you know, I mean, on the one hand, I can, like, Jen right now can probably relate to that. That's a very relatable thing. I mean, I have had those moments where, yeah, I just wanted to curl up on the couch and cry. Yes. Luckily for us, Jen is not doing that right now, but I'm sure once we're done here, that's exactly what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, <laughs> in my bed more like, Oh yeah. Yeah. But it does give us a nice moment between Eve and Somerset where he, you know, Somerset tells her like what he feels for you overwhelms him. There was never anyone else. The women who came and went before were diversions, temporary interests. He might care because despite everything that was done to him, he's a man with a large capacity for caring. And still, there was no one before you. Don't you see how he worries? And he, she's sick. He shouldn't worry. And he says he does and he will. You need rest and a few days without work and worry. And so does he. And she says, I can't, not now. And he says, won't. But again, you know, Summer said, come on, you know that she's. Yeah. I understand what you're saying and you're correct, but you know that she's in the middle of something right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But she does go to Rourke after that and say, like, okay, after this is over, let's go to Mexico, relax for a few weeks, do that whole thing, which is nice of her to do. And, you know, only because Somerset kind of like, okay, we need to essentially come to Jesus meeting. Right. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) And then she tells him, yeah. Rourke after she says like, okay, let's, let's go away together after this is all over. She says to him, there was never anybody before you. I just wanted to say that. And when I did what I do and it opened a crack in me, like it did last night, there was nobody there to hold on to me. I didn't want anyone to hold on to me until you, and I got through and I got by and it was okay. But I think maybe if I just kept getting through and getting by I'd have come to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And if I couldn't do it anymore, it would be the end of me. So she says, so when you hold on to me, you're helping me stand up one more time. And the dead, you're standing for them too. I just wanted to say that. And that's one of those moments. So so then Trina gets a hold of her and and transforms Mm -hmm. her into Stephanie. And um, she's like, okay, well, let's test this out. Now that she looks like Stephanie, she wanted to, she's like, okay, let's, let's see. And she goes into Rourke's office and um, it says he was on the link, had the laser fax coming in and a hollow blueprint of a building hovering over his desk. And it says, I'll prove the changes to the first level. Yes, but I'll need to see. He trailed off, stared for a full five seconds. Sorry, Jansen, I'll have to get back to you. And he ended transmission. Um, Says he rose, walked to her around her. Amazing. Truly. Are you in there? He murmured when he looked into her eyes. Ah, yes, there you are. And she says, what tips it? And he says, Trina may be a miracle worker, but she can't do anything about those cop's eyes. Wow. You know, um, he's, he lifted her chin with his hand and says, it feels very natural. And then Trina is behind them and says, check the boobs. <laughs> <laughs> 
They're the mm-hmm. latest temps. Can't tell them from God made. Go ahead. Take a squeeze. <laughs> no, and he says, well, if you insist. <laughs> <laughs> and then Trina says, yeah. they taste real, too. And he's like, really? <laughs> so, yeah, this whole this whole. And then, you know, he's like, you know, she turns around to walk away and he says, um, you might want to adjust your gait a bit, saunter rather than stride. And she's like, saunter, check. But it's Eve Seltzer. <laughs> How much real sauntering is she doing, you know? Right. So everybody comes over to the house and she's like giving them all their assignments for the op. And um, I just love that, you know, she's like, Baxter, you're the homeless guy and True Heart's. <laughs> and Baxter's like, True Heart can do it. And True Heart's like, I, I don't mind doing it. And she's like, yeah, no. That that is not. You know, true heart will literally do anything. (laughs) Yeah, but no, no, you can't do that. I don't think so. And then you know, once they're at the op, uh, she gets hit on in the park. You know, some guys like, "Hey, beautiful, how about a little run?" And she's like, "How about you back off before I knock you on your pudgy ass?" You know. And then and then she says in her ear, Rourke says, "That's my cop." You know. And then she passes by Baxter and gets a wolf whistle from him. And she says, bite me. And he says, I dream of it night and day. (laughs) Really, Baxter? (laughs) I appreciate Baxter's like pretend hots for Eve. Oh, I marginally real. Again, you know, another one where uh, they're obviously just friends, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love this, you know, um, McNabb saying, you might want to take the all kick your ass and then eat it. Look off your face, Lieutenant. Most guys <laughs> would be put off by that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like so not it's like, no, nah, it's good. It's good for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she meets Kevin and she's waiting for him to, you know, they've already got him on camera actually putting stuff in her drink, but they need him to hand the drink to her, which he does finally. And she arrests him. He he says, who the hell are you? And she's like, I'm Lieutenant Eve Dallas. Remember it. I'm your goddamn fate. My name is Dallas Lieutenant Eve. And I've stopped you. Yes. That's like iconic. Eve moment so good. right there. So she gets back to central and she's questioning him. And he's like, I, well, I, I don't, I don't, I want a lawyer. And she's like, okay, fine. But you know, you won't get a deal. And he wants a deal because he can't go to jail, but you know, he yeah. does eventually roll over on uh, his buddy. So they have his confession and uh, she goes to tell Whitney that they've got uh his confession and when she gets to whitney's office you know here's the asshole cop uh <laughs> making a uh this for the evening it's more shit. yeah exactly renfrew gonna file a complaint and she that shut name, him down that name is an asshole name yeah it is but you know i mean she shut him down so well yeah so they go to see uh lucius hmm go on and arrest him he's got a droid that answers the door and eve says now if Fork would ditch somerset and get a droid 
I could be treated <laughs> politely like that every day. And he, and Peabody says, yeah, you'd really hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's right. Yeah, she's, she's right. right. You know. Well, she, and we forgot to mention that um Lucius totally kills Kevin. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, he gets he she arrests him. Didn't she arrest him first and then he gets out? Yes. Yeah. And then she No, Lucius you, Lucius gets out. Kevin doesn't. Yeah, Lucius. Well, she arrests yeah. Lucius and Lucius gets out. Right. And um yeah, that's when Whitney he comes over to the like house and goes in as Kevin's lawyer. Right. right. Yeah. But Whitney comes over to the house to tell her that they just mm-hmm. sprung Lucius. Right. 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 But that during the same time that Lucius is killing Kevin. Yeah. Right. right yeah. Right, right, Whitney's yeah. over at the house having dinner. <laughs> Yeah. And probably fancy wine. Mont cart 49, probably. Definitely fancy um, probably. Yeah. Um Definitely. because then they they uh they go on to go and get Lucius and she takes Whitney with her on the op. And yeah. she calls Feeney and says, like, what the hell am I gonna do with Whitney on a on an op? You know, <laughs> like what the hell am I get? What if I need to make it, you know, what do I order him to do something like and he's like well it's your op yeah you know but yeah that'd be kind of like peabody ordering eve to do something yeah but really uncomfortable you know yeah but um then kevin offs i mean lucius offs himself after a big fight and showdown yeah even he stuns her right he stuns her yeah that's kind of the end. Yeah. Basically, that's the end. He kills himself yeah. and they ride off to Mexico. They ride off to Mexico. Works like fucking beach. finally. <laughs> that's the exact quote from the book. Yeah. Well, it's implied. For real. It's kind of implied. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I don't I didn't really see a whole lot on um Twitter. Mm-mm, there's not which thank goodness because jen can't do twitter right now i can't do anything right now jen can't do anything right now sorry guys that's uh, you know a, a you know that you held out for this long is impressive <laughs> for real <laughs> kind of impressed with me too <laughs> you know i had to get up and puke four or five times yeah. but um and i we really appreciate that you've put it on mute every time um so dana who apparently is not a spy so she says not so she says um says uh there's so much in this book peabody mcnab eve and feeney dealing with peabody mcnab um (laughs) the whole pig bastard uh peabody ate the whole pie rourke and charles telling mcnab he's in love with peabody and eve spasm the beginning of Charles and Louise, which yay. Yay. yay we love uh, that. Eve telling off Renfrew and Whitney's office and the untarnished badge comment. Rourke coming home early and finding Eve on the roof garden. Uh, she says Peabody has brothers, which we already talked about. She's got big changing family. Big changing yeah. family. <laughs> um, 
first mention of Dokus. Uh, mm-hmm. Eve calling Morris. She says Morris's Grim Reaper tattoo. Eve oh, yes, called Morris and, and kind of saw more than she had, than she bargained than she, than she bargained yeah. for. Yeah, I mean, but no one would be mad at that. So you're no. fine. No. Yeah, totally not mad at that. Somerset talks to Eve about Rourke's feelings for her after they take care of her because she's sick. Eve tries to pronounce the Irish thing. That was kind of at the end of the book. But it all comes down to even Rourke. Um, and then she quotes the quote that we uh, that uh, Eve said earlier about, you know, there was never anybody before Rourke. Yeah. Um, Heidi says the case in this one is one of the harder ones for me to read, but it's still a really mm-hmm. enjoyable one. Louise is my favorite side character. So I love when she makes an appearance. Yeah. Jen's too. Um, especially because it's the start of Charles and Louise. It's also great to see McNabb and Peabody finally sort out their nonsense and to see Eve go undercover. One of my favorite quotes from this one, which cracks me up, is when Peabody's talking about men and says, can't live with them, can't beat them with a stick. <laughs> yeah, facts. Uh, Yvonne says, another good early book of the series, Peabody and McNabb finally finding each other, Louise's introduction to Charles and the beginning of their relationship. Eve going undercover with Trina's help to catch a killer. Jennifer says the McNabb punch is a fun moment and solidifies two great couples in this series. But honestly, it's the little details that makes this book for me, especially Eve calling, calling people and catching them off guard, i.e. naked Morris and Feeney's heart <laughs> pajamas. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. Because when she calls him, she says that there's like some yeah. sexy move, music playing in the background. Yeah. He's got heart PJs on. He's got heart PJs on. <laughs> Let's get it on. That's just so great. So I love it. <laughs> uh, I love my Feeny. So everybody's everybody's uh, into the seduction in this book. Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about our um, who we're giving commendations to. Oh, do you have one? Jen? Mine goes to Louise. Louise for the bucket of water. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah, she. Fantastic. That's like hands down the easiest one to give out. Yeah, obviously, absolutely. Um, so um, I want to give one to Moniqua. Yep, surviving. Yes, she's fantastic, and for being so determined to like. Once she's given the situation to not just be like, I can't handle this right now. Like she's so strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm giving mine to Somerset because I mean, he takes care of Eve, but he also, like I said, he has that talk with Eve that kind of like mm-hmm. brings her to her senses. And so yeah. good, good one. for you, Somerset. Non-dick moment for Somerset. Yay. Okay. So trivia question for this book. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, last trivia question was at the ladies' tea. What did Eve think Peabody looked like? Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right. And Eve says to Peabody, geez, Peabody, you look like, what is it, a milkmaid or something? And that was answered by Yvonne and Heidi. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. Nobody's surprised at that. So this trivia question this time is, during the op where they caught Kevin, Baxter played a homeless person. Eve told him that whatever money he was given would have to go to charity. Which charity was it supposed to go to? Very good one. That's a good one. 
We have we don't have any new patrons this week. However, somebody called the number. Yes. Yes. <laughs> our friend Dana. Friend Dana. Who, our spy. Our spy. Called the number. And uh we will play the number. Lovely. We dan girls all over the place. Yeah. Um so I'm gonna go ahead and play the uh the audio of it so you all can hear it too because it's she she tells a funny story. Yes, very funny. <laughs> Hi AJ, Jen, and Tara. Um just want to give you all a quick call. Um, how could this week's favorite listener not call in after the podcast? So, yes, it's Dana. Uh, needless to say, I love this week's episode. Oh, my God, it was too, too funny. Um, I was looking forward to listen to the to you all talk about uh, the button, and uh, I was certainly not disappointed. So let me tell you a little story about yesterday. I'm driving around doing errands, taking the opportunity to listen to the podcast, I was laughing when Jen couldn't remember the book that What's in Your Pocket scene came from. And I was like, oh, I guess I didn't get a chance to see our comment um, on Twitter before they recorded the, the podcast. So I was intent on listing this, miss my exit, loop around, get to the store. And then I hear Jen's, oh, my God, Dana just commented. I was like, oh, I guess she did see it. Um, I had to pop my earbuds in so I could keep listening um, in the store. Got a few odd looks while I was walking around cracking up. And then a little while later, then I'm a spy. Oh, my God. So like in the NDEV universe, you know, I, too, like to think that coincidence is absolute bollocks. Uh, but I do not work for the HSO. I'm pretty sure I'm not as sensitive. So I think you all are okay uh, in, your, in your Zoom room, at least for me. Uh, but then again, you never know. Um, so, and I actually meant to call after last week's, uh, episode, uh, so I don't know where the time went, but I am Dana G on Patreon, uh, also. So I'm very happy to be a supporter. I'm so glad I, that I found, uh, you all. You're the only podcast that I do listen to. And this is exactly my kind of crazy book club, uh, to listen to, if you will. So I can't wait for the next episode um, on seduction. I listened to it again this weekend to prep myself to to listen to the podcast. There's so many takeaways uh, from the book. I'm looking forward to seeing what you all uh, pick to to talk about. So thanks so much for the great laugh uh, yesterday. I will definitely keep listening, and I really hope you all have uh, have a great week. So thanks so much again. You all take care. But yeah, I just, I, I just love that she was like you said, Jen. Like she, yeah. the thought of, that she's, you know, in the grocery store with her headphones on and she's like cracking up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> her call, and us calling her a spy, you know. Yeah. So, I love it. um, okay. she said many times that she is not a spy. That we can rest easy, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like the idea actually. <laughs> um, it's like her. Bye. So. Maybe that's who Finn was barking uh, at. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's what it is. <laughs> so we got um, uh, a comment from Sarah on um, our last episode on the button. And she mm-hmm. says, I just finished the episode in one thing. It might be when Nora con- consistently brings up the ugly suit. 
She might be reminding us who Rourke fell in love with, the woman and not an image in gorgeous clothing. He saw her as she was, despite the ugly suit. I always appreciate that Nora stresses that. Yeah. Yeah, I love so, it. Yeah, I do there too. I never thought of that, but yeah. Yeah. That's, great that's a really great point. So um, I think this is it for this episode. Mm-hmm. So next episode I want to talk about because we have decided that it, Jen mentioned it uh, earlier last episode or episode before that, that we maybe should do an episode on um, music, the music that we have that reminds us of the in death series. Cause we talk about music a lot on yeah. this show. So we, thought we might as well. We like, all happen to like music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I have an in-depth kind of soundtrack in my head. I have those songs that come up on my playlist that like, oh, yeah, this is I can see even work like dancing to this song or, mm-hmm. you know, I can see that this this song here, you know, would be a good Peabody McNabb song or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. So um, we thought we'd do an episode on that. We will pick songs. Uh, we'll pick uh, categories. And each of us will pick songs that kind of relate to that category. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think tentatively right now we've decided uh, that maybe we would go for like, for example, if this series was made into a TV show, what, what uh, song would you pick for the theme song for that TV show? Um, what song would you, what song do you have that reminds you of even Rourke when you hear it? But also, what song do you think is like, I don't think Eve thinks of these things, but Rourke definitely does. Like, what is Rourke's, like, what does Rourke think that is he and Eve's song, like their song, according to Rourke? What would you think he would pick as their song, which is probably different than what any of us would pick? Mm-hmm. Um, what song reminds you of Rourke and what song reminds you of Eve? Or what song reminds you of Peabody McNabb or, you know, um, what what song would you want Mavis to cover in the future? Those are kind of the the categories that we've come up with. If you have another suggestion for a category, let us know and we'll try to put that in there, too. And we're going to we already started a Spotify playlist that we're going to um, give you the link to. And put everybody's picks in there and so we'll have like a um in-depth soundtrack yeah going and that'll be kind of fun yep so that'll be the next episode so think about that in the next couple of days and and message us on any of our social media platforms instagram at podcastanddeath.com or um what is that other one twitter twitter at podcastanddeath.com podcast and death or send us an email at show at podcastanddeath.com um, or call the number like uh, Dana did and let us know what your song picks are for our in death soundtrack. Uh, the number is 205 476 2753. That spells out 2054 Rourke. The number is 205 476 2753. Right. So. 
I think that's it for the, and we, we really have to go because Jen is, you know, is about to, you know, pass out. But <laughs> it's okay. We appreciate Jen being here and being a trooper yes. through this whole episode. And hopefully she feels better next week when we I talk about so. music. Yeah. You know, yeah. us too. So, okay. I think that's it. So yeah. for this episode of Podcast and Death, this is AJ. This is Jen. This is Tara. And we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, it's fine. You did it, Jen. You did it. You made it. Yay. <laughs> so now you can go to bed. Thank you for listening to Podcast in Death. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Podcast in Death is hosted by Amy Ryan, Jen Terpstra, and Tara Corkery, and is edited and produced by Amy Ryan. The opinions expressed on this show are for entertainment purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the in-death fandom at large. Podcast in Death is not in any way affiliated with Nora Roberts, Berkeley, Penguin Publishing Group, or St. Martin's Press. Our theme song is Justice Never Sleeps by Cosmo and is available on Shutterstock.com. This podcast and all of our previous podcasts are available at podcastindeath.com. Have something to say? You can email us at show at podcastindeath.com or find us on social media by searching for Podcast in Death on Twitter and Instagram. But no, we don't have a Facebook page. Also, you can call us and leave a message at 205-4-ROARK. That's 205, the number 4, ROARK. Thanks again for listening. And in the immortal words of Brian Kelly, fucking slant you to you.